The interview you're about to hear was aired on Planet Philadelphia on Germantown Community Radio at 92.9 FM, WGGTLP Philadelphia, and gtownradio.com. Hello, everyone. This is Kay Wood, the host of Planet Philadelphia. Thanks for tuning in. Linda Rosenwein and I are going to be talking with some very interesting guests today, and they're from an organization called Green Building United, and we'll be speaking with Marjorie Alexander and Leanne Harvey. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us here this morning. So maybe now each of you could tell us a little bit about yourselves. Leanne, I'll let you go first. (laughs) Sure. Um, So my name is Leanne Harvey. I'm the Program and Communications Director at Green Building United. I've been with the organization for about four years now. My background is in environmental and climate policy. Um, I, I went to school at the Bard Center for Environmental Policy. And and then when I moved to Philadelphia, I worked for the Office of Sustainability and then uh, came over to Green Building United. And it's been really exciting working at this organization. Um, Marjorie? And uh, hello, my name is Marjorie Alexander. I've been with Green Building United going on five months now. I am the uh, education engagement manager, and that means that I do all of the events for Green Building United, and uh, green building is actually new to me, but environmental sustainability is something that I care deeply about and have for many years. This is for either of you. Do you want to talk about Green Building United and its mission, what it's doing? Sure. So uh, Green Building United uh, was started about 20 years ago in this region. It's it's a chapter of the United States Green Building Council. And as a chapter, it really started off just as, as friends who were really interested in bringing more uh, sustainable building to the region. They were professionals in the field and are like, we need to deal with this climate issue immediately, as fast as humanly possible. And in this region, uh, Green Building United has been uh, delivering education uh, in terms of sustainable building practices for 20 years. Um, Leanne, you can talk a little bit more about how we've kind of gotten to this point that we're at right now. Yeah, as Marjorie mentioned, this started long ago, but has has shifted over time. Um, You know, we used to be known as the Delaware Valley Green Building Council. Um, but in 2017, merged with some other organizations that were coming up around these other building standards, such as Passive House and the Living Building Challenge, to become Green Building United, so that we're all working together, really honing in on advocacy initiatives and education that can really advance uh, the building industry in our region. And all is who? Who is involved? Yeah, yeah. In all? So that's a great question. So our our we are member based, and our members are architects. They're engineers. Uh, they work in construction, um, but they can be interior designers, folks in government. They might be program managers um, in other organizations, but but mostly um, architects and engineers that are really working to you know constantly improve their own 
knowledge in the industry and uh, ad advance their career and stay up to date on the latest sustainability practices. Is this education to educate your membership, ed education for the wider uh, community, or is it both of those? I would say it's both. Yeah, absolutely. As many people as possible. I mean, the goal is absolutely to uh, to expand our membership just because we want more people to have the knowledge. Um, commercial building especially is a very slow moving giant. And so we want to get as many people aware just on an education level and then even certified in some of these building standards that, so that they can actually go into their workplaces and apply the work. Maybe you can tell us why the focusing on the building sector is so important for the environment and the climate? Buildings make up a huge portion of our global carbon emissions, um, but especially in Philadelphia and, and other large major cities, the emissions that are coming from our building sector um, make up the majority of our carbon emissions. In Philadelphia, it's around 72%. So right there, we see a huge opportunity to really cut back. And that brings me to, to the important part about our members as well is we're not just educating them so that they can bring this expertise to their own firms and advance the work. Architects can't act alone. They can't be a single force to move their client. It really takes a larger movement for everyone to understand the importance of more energy efficient, cleaner, buildings uh, in order to move the needle here. And so that's where, you know, our advocacy and policy initiatives come into play and using our members as the experts to help shape policy so we can really get to our global carbon goals. Uh, we only have nine years to cut our emissions in half um, in order to, to maintain that 1.5 degrees um, for the IPCC. So we have a huge task in front of us and everyone has to play a part you know, some projections uh, show that new construction is is doubling. Um, we, we're going to see a lot more. And so ensuring that all new construction, everything we're building from here on out is equipped to handle the future. Not only are they clean, they're energy efficient buildings, but they're also going to be resilient to the changes that we've already seen from climate change. Are there advantages of having or living in a greener building? There are a lot of advantages. Yeah, obviously, our global carbon goals and, and climate change is a, a huge issue, but there's many benefits to these changes as well to a, a homeowner, to someone that's just occupying a building. You know, we spend around 90% of our time in buildings, and with the pandemic, that definitely increased. But Health is a really important factor. I'm sure some of the listeners saw a article come out on, on NPR just the other day around um, how we cook in our homes uh, and using natural gas. Natural gas in our homes is on-site combustion, uh, and there's pollution and health impacts and air quality impacts that come along with that. Not to say, you know, safety issues as well. So there's a lot of advantages to electrifying our homes. Um, and obviously electrifying our grid um, to re reduce harmful air pollution that leads to negative health impacts. Um, and we've seen more and more cases of 
I'm sorry. Miss your kitty cat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her out. I'm sorry. She's like, no I'll, 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 I'll pick up where Leanne left off, actually. <laughs> and, and just something that I think is kind of important to remember is that when you're thinking about designing a building, if you are the type of person that pays attention to environmental sustainability, you're probably going to be the type of person that also takes into consideration the health of the people that are using your building. It's not always that, you know, building to sustainable standards always directly impacts health, although in some ways it does. And in addition to that, there are things that uh, a designer that has climate goals in mind and reducing our carbon footprint probably also has health and wellness involved in their decision making for their users. So whether it's implementing uh, more green spaces on the outside of their building or increasing equity in making the stairs and the elevator, you know, equally accessible. Um, as opposed to, you know, hiding the stairwell. Well, we want people to, to get more exercise, but we also uh, want to provide ways for those that have uh, different abilities to access an entire building. So that's something to kind of consider, not just like on the materials level, but also just in the thinking of the actual designers and the builders themselves. I was wondering, has the COVID pandemic changed the way people are thinking about green buildings and green building design? That's a really good question uh, because obviously there's a tension there. If it's super airtight, then you might be wondering how are we getting fresh air into these buildings, uh, which is so crucial for health impact. Some other challenges are also moisture. If we have a super airtight building, there can be issues of mold or rot, but all of these are considered into the design. And it just takes a really smart design. And it, it takes every single person in the design and construction of the building to understand these issues and how the design is working to overcome them. It's interesting in the last couple of decades uh, in green building, there's been like the shift to multi-use um, you know, residential and commercial or, you know, the loft type vibe. And something interesting that's happened with COVID is that, you know, while people have been starting to do like communal work, well, now everybody's trying to get away from each other. And a lot of uh, building users have been spending most of their time outside and kind of leaving those communal spaces inside of a building that are designed specifically for that vacant. And so how does that change the thinking of builders that are just starting to think about a project that's going to be built five years from now, you know, let alone the one that just got finished being built last year. Now we're like, wait a second, we have to rethink everything. And we just, you know, we just finished completing this building. So there are a whole lot of aspects um, that COVID has kind of challenged the building industry with. And I think it's going to take us a lot of trying to just figure out that happy medium between health but also keeping people connected and keeping people healthy on both fronts. My sister is an engineer. She's in an ashray and she does a lot with buildings. And what she has said, the low hanging fruit for changing us to lower carbon emissions is in the building sector. It's not only this huge sector, but it's an easier one in some ways to change. Is that yeah. still true? 
That is definitely still true. In order to, to reach these goals, we have to do everything. But energy efficiency is so crucial. It's foundational to all of the other actions that need to happen. If we want to clean the grid, if we want to, to put renewables on our buildings, it's so important that before we do that, we reduce the demand. Um, so energy efficiency is key to decarbonizing our, our building stock. What are your thoughts about the most important needs for the building sector in our nation and also locally? Sure. So nationally, we have a lot of work to do. The most important need is, is to electrify our buildings, uh, to get fossil fuels out of our buildings. You know, that applies to all existing buildings and then all of the new buildings that are going to be created. That's a huge task. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see that there are efforts, uh, the Build Back Better initiative, to, to think about this on a federal level, but it's something that is extremely hard to do. So what does electrifying our building mean? What that means is, is taking out our fossil fuel powered heating, uh, replacing it with a heat pump. It means replacing hot water heaters with efficient heat pump hot water heaters and replacing our stoves uh, the way that we cook um, with electric you know, induction ovens. And, and that's, that's residential. For commercial, you know, it's the same. It just looks a little bit different how we're going to electrify. Um, locally, something that is a huge need is housing repair. We see so many homes in Philadelphia that are, you know, falling apart in need of, of so much work. We talked about reducing demand, uh, you know, the, the amount of energy needed to power a home in order to, you know, reach our our clean energy goals. And right now, if you know, you're, you're going into a home that uh, has faulty windows, um, the, the building envelope, you know, the insulation of the building um, is below par. And there's, there's so much work needed in, in Philadelphia row homes. So that's an urgent need and something that at Green Building United, we're working you know, with a coalition to address these issues. It's called the Here for CJ Coalition to focus on how we can work with other organizations uh, to prioritize policies and programs that will address climate uh, to electrify our homes, housing repair, health, jobs, you know, all of these issues together because the housing crisis that we're dealing with um, the state of, of disrepair really needs to be addressed hand in hand with electrifying um, and improving our buildings. That sounds like that could be, well, several major challenges, but also a funding challenge. Absolutely. It's definitely a funding challenge. Uh, I think there's different, you know, potential streams federally and, uh, you know, locally. Uh, PEA, the Philadelphia Energy Authority, is working on a built-to-last initiative. And this initiative is, is really meant to be a one-stop shop for homeowners that, that are looking for programs, for rebates, uh, for opportunities, for housing repair. The, the bigger issues need to be addressed first, um, and, and that aligns with health and safety and comfort of Philadelphians as well. 
and the owners, renters being able to afford making these changes. Exactly. The one opportunity uh, for funding is that the Philadelphia Energy Authority recently opened their green capital port, which is an opportunity for folks to find you know, financing for some of these clean energy projects. What are some of the new developments on buildings and the environment and You know, as Leanne was talking, something that came to mind for me was that we know what to do. It's the convincing ourselves that it is the right thing to do in our particular situation. And and Leanne was talking about it earlier, that there are so many people involved in building projects. And let's just talk commercially. You know, there's funders, there's Uh, the actual contractors and subcontractors. There are um, the companies that are going to own the building when it's done um, and building managers and operators. And all of these different stakeholders have various reasons for maybe not wanting to go the sustainable route. Well, we don't want it to be uncomfortable. We don't want it to be expensive. We don't want to you know, change up the materials that we've been using for the last decade, or at least the contract that we have with a manufacturer. And and if we change to a certain, to another standard, well, maybe we will have to change that relationship or terminate it entirely. It can be a very complicated thing when you're talking about commercially, because you as a person might have certain feelings, but when it comes to, you know, the bottom line budget, or pressure from all ends with whomever is involved in the project, it may just not pan out that way. So I think one thing that's really important, like like what do we need right now? Yes, we absolutely know what to do, but we have to get people to that point. What does that require? Um, I think that that requires exploration and awareness. And then once you kind of, it's like, oh, okay, well, let me check this out. And then we're working on, you know, education and then implementation. And of course, implementation, as we just mentioned, requires funding and that requires policy. So how can all of these things move in tandem, at least in tandem enough so that we can actually make, you know, these big strides that we need to make within these next nine years? Um, one other note, just in terms of something that, that more and more people are thinking about now in terms of, of the building industry is embodied carbon. For a long time, we've really just been focused on operational energy use. Um, That's the energy that we use on a day-to-day basis to keep the lights on, to keep the heat on, and really working to to cut that down. Um, But there has been not as much focus until recently on the energy and carbon that goes into actually making the materials and transporting the materials and getting the materials to the site and actually constructing the building, which is a huge, huge percentage of the total carbon of a a building's life. Uh, When you look at a graph, uh, you know, there's a huge spike at the start um, from all of the, the resources that go into just creating these building materials. And so there's a real focus in the industry right now to look back in the supply chain and do some life cycle analyses and, and really work with suppliers to ensure that we're, we're really thinking about what materials we're using and how they're being made. 
I want to hear what your passive house uh, initiative is and your living future communities initiative is. Sure, our, our passive house and, and living future communities, they are, are really topic based, uh, you know, groups of people within the organization that really want to focus in on, on these issues. Looking at our, our passive house and living future communities, they're focused on specifically the, these building standards. And um, they've done a, several demonstration projects. And these are really, you know, pilot projects to prove how these standards work you know, the feasibility of them, the costs of designing a passive house building, um, the costs of, you know, designing and, and building a living building, challenge building. And most recently, out of, uh, you know, long-term demonstration project and research, our passive house community uh, created our Philadelphia Passive Row House Manual. This is an excellent resource. Uh, where it, it goes through exactly how you can retrofit an existing Philadelphia row home to the passive house standard. Before, when we were talking about what's needed to be done, uh, the needs in our, in our building industry of how we can decarbonize, insulating, uh, and making sure there's very little air exchange, you know, the conditioned air, the energy that we're using to condition our homes to heat and cool them isn't being lost, isn't just escaping out. So that's kind of crux of passive house. What a passive house is has to do with the air exchange. With building standards, there's a lot of complexities that go into, you know, what they mean. But to put it simply, it, it really is focused on building an airtight building that has minimal air exchange, heat exchange between the outside and inside air. When it comes down to it, designing a passive house building is very complex, but all of the elements are designed to be able to address these issues. Is there something you think we haven't hit on that people really need to know? One thing just to note about how we can change basically the levers to improve our, our buildings. In 2018, we work to update our state level building codes. Uh, building codes are the best way that we can really impact all new construction and any major retrofits that are happening. Prior to 2018, Pennsylvania hadn't updated the, their building codes in, in nine years. So they were way behind. If we think about how much technology has advanced in, in nine years, you know, it's, it's very significant. So working to advance building codes is instrumental and we're seeing codes improve more and more over the years and actually starting to align with some of the building standards that we've talked about. Previously, Really, we had been using building standards as, as more of an incentive, a, you know, a marketing opportunity, something to, to feel good about for designing with sustainability in mind, um, you know, making sure you're considering your site selection and indoor air quality and the types of, of materials you're using came within these, these building standard parameters. Um, but now we're seeing 
building codes kind of reaching up to those standards, which is great, but that means, you know, our standards will have to continue to improve. So the, the, the most important piece, in my opinion, is really getting into the mandates that we're, we're seeing more and more. You know, we've seen in California some mandates for new construction to not have any on-site fossil fuels. Um, we're seeing in D.C. and in New York some policy uh, mandates that require buildings reach a certain cap of carbon emissions. Uh, they can only emit so much. And if they go over, they're subject to fees. And in Philadelphia, we recently passed a policy and are working on implementing a program called the Building Energy Performance Program, which isn't quite a standard. It's not putting a cap on carbon or saying we have to reach a certain level of efficiency, but really requiring building owners to consider the way that they're operating and maintaining buildings continuously. So we're building up better operational practices. Uh, so energy is being considered on an annual basis. Uh, we're, we're considering the way that we're maintaining and operating our buildings over time. Because if we design a building to be a certain level of efficiency, but don't keep up with the maintenance of it, that efficiency is going to drop. Um, it really takes continuous maintenance to see the impacts of a, a sustainable building. So how can the listeners find out more or get involved with or contact you all? You can head on over to greenbuildingunited.org. We have plenty of ways to get involved and tons of opportunities to either learn and get those continuing education credits for architects and designers or attend one of our passive house uh, building tours virtually. Those are all ways that you can get involved in all of that uh, is available at greenbuildingunited.org. Well, thank you both of you for speaking with us today. Thanks so much. Very illuminating. Thank you. I hope you will consider making a small monthly donation to help Planet Philadelphia continue presenting interviews on important underreported environmental topics and exploring their complexities and intersections. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to know more about Planet Philadelphia, go to planetphiladelphia.com. You could also find out more about other G-Town Radio programming by going to gtownradio.com. Thank you for listening.